Hi, my name is Mark Chansky. I'm the coordinator of the Reformed Baptist Network, and we're conducting another Net Talk where we discuss with men of the Reformed Baptist Network regarding things related to the Reformed Baptist Network. And ultimately, our desire is to bring glory to the Lord by unpacking his word and showing dimensions of his son. And I have with me today. Uh, Pastor Jeff Johnson. He's the pastor of the Grace Emanuel Reformed Baptist Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Jeff, so good to have you here with us. Thanks for having me on. Brother Thanks so much for your willingness to be a part of this interview. And the interview has to do with the book that you've written. It's entitled Taming the Fingers, Heavenly Wisdom for social media. In fact, I've got a little statement written by Conrad and Bayway. Conrad says, social media, what a blessing it is, and what a curse. And he says that in this book, Jeff Johnson takes us by the hand, and he shows to us eternal wisdom, takes us to the fountain of that wisdom to help us know how to handle this latest revolution in social communication. That, that's well said by Conrad. So we want to talk about the book. But first, Jeff, before we get to the book, because there is another Jeff Johnson from Conway, Arkansas, but I know you to be the Jeff Johnson, a dear friend of mine. Just tell us about yourself. Yeah, by the way, just I just sent him a pet message on Facebook saying, get ready for people to thank you for your new book. Because <laughs> people it. have constantly come up to me and oh, I appreciate your books and they're talking about his <laughs> books and so it's it's it, it just never ends finally a little reciprocation yeah yeah but uh yeah I'm from South Carolina originally you can tell by the way I talk I'm not from the Midwest uh, I grew up Southern Baptist uh, still have friends in that in that context as well and my parents are still in Southern Baptist Church I was uh, converted at uh, around 17 years of age, senior in high school, truly converted. I had made a profession before that and so on. I'll spare you those details. And then a few years later, I began to embrace Calvinism, Reformed faith, Reformed doctrine. And, uh, and so I've ended up now as a pastor of a Reformed Baptist church. And so that's kind of a brief synopsis of, of, uh, of who I am and where I come from. Well, I'm thankful for your ministry. Your preaching has warmed my heart many times, Jeff, and I am very thankful that you're just oh, about 40 miles away from us here in Holland, Michigan, and we're so thankful for the church there that, uh, boy, in 1994 planted this church, and in many ways you've been alongside to help sustain this church. So uh, we're thankful for your ministry and the many dimensions of it. And now let's talk about this this book that you've written, this idea of taming the fingers as it has to do with social media. Jeff, what, what, what personal or what kind of church history has provided the catalyst for your writing this book? It must have been something that really began to percolate in your mind. Well, um, I say in the introduction of the book that, um, as you know, as you've read it, that um, you know, in 2020, COVID hit us. And so there was, there were just a few opinions about how that should be handled. Right? Just a few, huh? Just a few by the church and by the government. And of course that all broke out. 
a lot of that was being kind of uh, dealt with on social media. And then, of course, you had the election same year. You had George Floyd, uh, you know, all this stuff. And it really lit up this social media. And it wasn't just people commenting. There was a good bit of rudeness and just unkindness and, you know, you know unchristian type conduct going on during that time. And even within our own assembly. And, and so we had to address that publicly. And I preached a message on unity from Philippians. And then I preached three messages on social media based on the Proverbs. And in 2021, I was uh, given a sabbatical, a pastoral sabbatical, three months pastor sabbatical. And I wanted to, I've always wanted to, I've wanted to publish a book for many years and had different ideas and started and stopped. And, and so that sabbatical coming up gave me an opportunity to work on something. And I thought that this would be, uh, would be a good thing to contribute to the conversation. It's simple. It's straightforward. It's, it's, uh, uh, practical. And so I started on it before the sabbatical, was able to do most of it during the sabbatical, and then was able to turn it in to RHB for their consideration. So it really came out of that more of a pastoral, really came out of pastoral burden and work. And uh, I, I don't know, there may be another book like this one, but I, I wasn't aware of one that dealt with the issue from this perspective. So I thought this could be a good contribution. So here it is. And it is, it is a good contribution, Jeff. And I, I found myself in reading the book because I do post quite often on social media. I, I found it to be very searching. And it really asks me a lot of questions about what are my motivations? What are my chief priorities? A, a point that we're going to maybe emphasize later on, but just at the outset, because I know you're, you're really cautioning about the reckless and careless views of social media, but, but many Christians believe Wow, I think I I maybe need to need to speak out when it comes to things that are taking place in the 2020s. Uh, you know, there's a phrase that you addressed earlier that I hadn't really heard before. But there are many who say silence is violence. So 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 talk about that and what the significance of that phrase is. Yeah, well, I had I had heard that myself. Silence is violence. There's conversation. Somebody not necessarily stating it in a positive way, but just how it's being used. And, and so when I wrote that chapter, that's the first chapter, am I controlled? I mentioned Christians need to speak out. Silence is violence. And, and the idea is if you don't speak out, well, then you're, you're contributing to the problem, you know, in some way. And of course the co concept of silence of violence is violence is, is a implodes on itself anyway. Obviously that's not even correct in itself, but that's another story. Um, but uh, the idea of speaking out, my question would be, okay, well, what does that mean? Okay, so if I'm at a gas station and I'm pumping gas into my car and a stranger comes up and I say, if your gospel doesn't have repentance in it, you got a false gospel. I jump <laughs> in my car and I ride off. <laughs> right? I'm speaking out. So, so what does it even mean to speak out? So you take your my, mother- My shooting of truth. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good way to put it. So you have a mother, it can make somebody say a mother who's with her kids all day, maybe she's homeschooling or whatever, or taking them to school and then getting the house clean and then picking them up. She's lucky to have a voice at the end of the day. Right. And she's made to feel maybe that I'm not contributing because I'm not speaking out. And 
to me, the issue is, and I would say this, and I say this in the book, and you probably remember me saying it. I'm not trying to play Lord of anyone's conscience. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's sinful to speak about issues on social media necessarily. Um, but my question is, how much good does it really do on that venue? Is it, is it, is how effective is it, you know, based on your other stewardships and speaking out? I think it's a matter of stewardship. I speak out, but I have a stewardship in the pulpit. Yes. Yes. And the moment Grace Emanuel says, I no longer have that stewardship. I won't force my way into that pulpit and say, mm-hmm. you will hear me. You know, they've, they've told me they want to hear me. So well, I speak out. That, yeah. That's a good perspective. We're going to circle back to that. But I think uh, you, you talk about how uh, oftentimes Christians can have this inner conviction mm-hmm. about a certain truth, maybe about some social issue, and that mm-hmm. can create a passion. Mm-hmm. And regarding that passion, how is it to be reined in by proverbial principle? That's what I love about the book. It's so practical, and you do work your way through Proverbs. Talk about that, that reining in of passions. Well, I'll, I'll give an example of something. I won't say exactly what it was, because but a few months ago, someone posted a blog article. It wasn't what they had written, but you know, they shared it. And for the most part, it was a, a good article, you know, and it was right on, but there was a portion of it that was not good at all, right? I mean, it was off the mark. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel that rising up in my soul. Like, I can't believe people are liking this. You know, I'm like, what's, you know, and I'm sure you, we all feel that way. It's like, oh, but then I think, okay, well, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily think this at the time, but as I'm reflecting and I didn't respond to it on Facebook or whatever, but okay, if I respond to it, it's for me to do it adequately would take more than a comment. And then, well, then I could make a long post. Well, that's often not long enough. Well, then I could write a blog article and post it. But if I do that, now um, I'm having to look for the comments so I can respond and interact, right? And now not only is it taking me time to do that, to type all of it and to make sure my words are not unnecessarily provocative, I'm, I'm accurate. Now I'm using all this other time while I'm off the internet, thinking through it, and distracted, and I'm going to post this. And in my opinion, it's probably not going to be that life altering for people. to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where I go to in one of the chapters, as you know, I, I talk about uh, he that tills his land will have bread, but the man that pursues frivolous things, yes, you yes. know, it's not going to end well. In other words, he's not going to have anything to show for it. So even if it's worthy of someone's attention, it's probably not worthy of mine. I've got other stewardships to take care of. I'm probably going to be much more effective investing into my kids, the right perspectives, Mm -hmm. investing into my members of my church, the right perspectives. And then there's a host of proverbs that, that, that say, for example, you know, well, I think about, I didn't mention this in the book, but Paul said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Yeah. And the idea in the context is a man can't say, well, the Holy ghost came on me and I had to speak. No, he says, you know, you're still in control of your spirit. So just because you have an inner conviction does not automatically equate to, I need to speak and I need to speak now. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds back. Yeah. Proverbs 11. Uh, and a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, Proverbs 10, 19. 
So the more I speak on this, the more likely it is I'm going to say something that I need to retract or apologize for. I mean, it's in other words, you can't just say this is the truth and it needs to be said. You that's got to be governed by other perspectives. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but and you mentioned in there that where we need to be, as James would say, quick to listen, slow to speak, mm -hmm. and regarding that idea of the the passions, the last fruit of the spirit is self-control. And Matthew right. Henry says, when passion is in the room, reason is generally out the door. And right. like social media can really cater to that. Well, how do you assess this idea of passions? How do you assess the fact that it's really become kind of popular to post a, a rant on social media? And I wonder what you think regarding biblical exhortations that we have in controlling our anger in that sense. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I have. Uh, like somebody will say something and they'll actually say, okay, rant over. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm going, okay. And it can be just, it could just be daily pet peeves. Like, you know, well, I hate it when I'm at a traffic light and a person stays three seconds longer after it turns green. I just hate that rant over, you know, or a political issue. The government can't spend its way out of debt. That's like a drunk man trying to drink himself sober. Okay, rant mm -hmm. over. They may not say rant over, but they're just venting. Mm. And I may agree with the statement. It's not that I disagree with it. I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, I think that's true. But a lot of times it's just, uh, I guess this is how I would explain it. It's social media, is, it's, it, it's like you said, drive-by, the drive-by comments. So I'm going down, I'm, I'm saying I'm going down Facebook and say, oh, uh, Mark's dear wife just had a birthday. Uh, or uh, so-and-so just had a granddaughter. Oh, Sarah's mom died. And then all of a sudden, boom, the next post is just in your face, some rant, some statement of, and I may agree with it, but I myself find it unsettling. <laughs> it's just kind of venting. Yes, yes, yes. Righteous anger, righteous anger, my understanding, righteous anger. There is such a thing as righteous anger, but number one, you're slow to it. Generally, it's contemplative. Mm. Nehemiah, Nehemiah 5, when he saw the, uh, the, the people being taken advantage of by the nobles, it said he consulted himself. Mm -hmm. I was wroth. Mm -hmm. I was angry, but then he consulted with himself. And I take that as he reined it in, he thought through it. And then, you know, Jesus clearing the temple, you know, he didn't just automatically just go wild, you know. So anger is slow to anger. And even if it's righteous anger, if, if the context does not call for its expression at that point, then hold it back. Mm. Like you say, at that point, you gave an anecdote of somebody standing up in a funeral. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Well, I'll give you an illustration. And, and actually, I heard someone tell me that this was their experience once that I talk about a person that maybe you got this terrible neighbor, clearly unconverted, just mean as a snake. They're not, you just, it was just a thorn in your side for years. You go to his funeral and the preacher starts speaking about him and you didn't realize he was the Apostle Paul. Justification by death, you said. <laughs> yeah, R.C. Sproul calls it justification by death. You know, he preaches him like he was this wonderful saint in the heaven. And you're sitting there and you're feeling agitated as all these people are getting a false gospel. 
Do you stand up and say, false prophet, you folks are being deceived? Well, more than likely, you're going to cause confusion more than you are clarity. <laughs> and righteous anger also looks for the best timing and way to express itself. It's never out of control. It's never uh, just this unprincipled venting. Mm. I feel strongly about this. So I'm going to write it on Facebook. Okay. I said it. How's that righteous anger? Yeah. And like this proverb says, like apples of gold and settings of silver. So is a word spoken in season. Is that really the right time for that right. comment? Is it the right time? Is it the right context? Are you yeah. able to even adequately explain what you meant in the post? Yes. Yes. That's good. And I, I appreciate that about your book. It's not just a matter of uh, tips for being nice. But instead, mm -hmm. your book is just crawling with scriptures. Mm -hmm. it's, you, you prick the thing, and it, as Spurgeon would say, it bleeds bibline. And, and mm -hmm. I really appreciate that about the book. You even talk about uh, the idea of the proverbial idea of a of a ruined field and that has to do with a, a misprioritization of focus and you mm. talk about a, a man who's focused on his computer and instead of being focused on his wife on his children or his vocation mm. kind of unpack that a little bit well again that goes to that proverb and I, i'm not i don't have it right before me but i mentioned it earlier about the man who tills his land will have bread but he that pursues frivolous things, and I forgot the, how it ends, but the idea I think is he's not spending time doing his stewardship, which is tilling his land, planting the garden, you know, trying uh, the, the crop. And in the end, if he doesn't, he's not going to have the food. His wife and kids are not going to be happy with him. Yeah. And so a frivolous thing is it, it can be, it may be something that's worthy of someone's attention, but is it worthy of your attention given your stewardships? And have you actually seen, Jeff, people who, maybe their dads or husbands, who really have been so obsessed with social media that they are turning away from clear responsibilities in their lives? Well, here's what I think. I haven't seen that up close and personal in a specific example, but I'm giving, what I'm doing in the book is giving principles of things that can happen that we need to think about. But I do think that this happens that can be related. Okay. Let's say as a father, I'm really taken up with some social issue in our, our, our nation and church, and I'm reading book after book, and I'm interacting with it on social media, and I'm put it, posting quotes, and then I walk right past my son I haven't even spoken to in days. I don't even know how he's doing, and I'm staying agitated over why people don't have this right view Oh yeah. Over here. Or my wife's, the dishes are piled up in the dish, my wife in the, in the kitchen, and she's not feeling well, but I go off to my little book so that I can go and engage in the war on social media when I need to be a servant to her. That's doing a lot more for the gospel from in, the, in the presence of my kids and family than me making sure everybody is right on this issue. Do you think this is relevant for pastors whose field is the meadow where their flock grazes and pastors who should be preparing for sermons or should be out counseling their sheep, but instead they're pecking away at a long thread on Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. I mentioned that. And I, and I, and I qualify it and I say, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that, um, 
pastors can only have ministry as their, their interest. Maybe some pastors, you know, they, it's a diversion. They like interacting, you know, so we, again, as you see in the book, I'm not laying down any legalistic strictures. I'm simply causing people to reflect questions that make you think. But yeah, I think somebody that posts regularly on social media, especially long threads, they have to think about how much time does this add up to over a year? What good am I really accomplishing? And I feel like as a pastor with Sunday coming, people that need my assistance, help, counsel, I'm that investment is way more than me making sure I keep up with the latest arguments and typing. It can really be a drain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if men really think about how big of a drain it can be Yeah, because yeah, then, you, then you're always looking back, you know, who's, who's liking it and who's commenting. I, I think there is a place for pastors being out. Paul, Paul went to the marketplace. He went to the Agora. He went to the right. Mars Hill where the people are. And I think in a sense that social media is somewhat the marketplace, but I can't always be hanging out at the marketplace. Right. I've got work I've got to be doing as a pastor. Uh, well, what about this issue of, uh, you talk about grabbing a dog by the ears and yeah. meddling in someone's business. It's really not our own. I'll unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the uh, issue of the Bible does not teach that, that we just disseminate the truth regardless of the audience. Okay. Jesus said, for example, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't you know, um, then there's the Proverbs about speaking in the hearing of a fool. Don't rebuke a fool, a scoffer. You'll get shame to yourself. Uh, then it talks about the scoffer who either rages or laughs. There's no peace. Yes. So you have to think about when you speak, where is this going and who's listening to it? All right. Again, it's not laying a legalistic stricture. It's just thinking. Well, one of the things that I say in the book is beware of fangs. And I quote that proverb that says, he that meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like taking a dog by the ears. Now, I understand that to mean, you know, pull a dog's ears, get him by the face and start pulling, and you're going to get nipped. At least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're passing by uh, a post and you say, oh, I'll just put my two cents in. And next thing you know, boom, you know, things get out of hand. And well, this is the problem with the church these days. I mean, and you're going, I'm just trying to help. Well, you, mm -hmm. you were meddling, you know, you, mm. you, you need to think about, as I say in the book, when you do put your two cents in, you need to think, is this worth teeth marks? Yes. Yes. Well, then some might say, are you, are you calling us to be pacifists? Are you calling us to be quietists that we just shouldn't be resisting sin in society? Is, is that what you're saying? I know you're not. No. No, let me, let me say this too, as I had a thought and then it escaped me and it came back is I've told our people before, and I've said to other people that I am not a well-known figure in evangelicalism. I'm not a famous pastor, relatively unknown, a pastor of the church in a cul-de-sac. That's fine because the better known you are, the bigger target you become, especially mm -hmm. with social media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And so therefore I don't feel as a as a pastor, this huge burden to be constantly speaking into the issues of the day beyond what my stewardships are. Now, if I were a well-known pastor and God gave me a platform and he hasn't, but if he did, I would have to say, okay, I might now have an Al Mohler stewardship. 
I might have a stewardship like these guys where thousands are downloading their sermons and listening to their podcasts. And I think that goes to what you're saying is, yeah, do we, do we need to be pacifists? No, but we all don't have the same stewardships. Our stewardship in resisting evil depends on our station in life, what God's given us to do, what God has called us to do. And if you don't believe, if you don't know that and understand it, it can produce false guilt. I'm not doing enough. <laughs> and quite frankly, most of us, and I feel this way about myself, we struggle just doing our own individual stewardship well. Mm -hmm. Truth. Yeah. And you know, Jeff, you, you, you drew some parallels in your book between social media on the one hand and the Tower of Babel on the other. Yeah. Flesh that out a little bit. Well, when I, get to the, when I get to the conclusion of the book, I talk about three possible root causes of the misuse of social media, things that could blind us from the biblical principles, okay? And one of them has to do with the fear of anonymity, mm -hmm. being anonymous. And I mentioned the Tower of Babel because um, in that story in Genesis 11, it says that they, they wanted to stay together as one people, lest they be scattered across the earth. Well, one of the way that's been interpreted is, is that they had the fear of being anonymous because they were doing that to get a name for themselves. And so if you put that together, it may be that they, they were afraid that had they been scattered to all the portion, different parts of the earth, that they would all kind of live and die in relative obscurity. No one would remember them. If they stayed together, they'd go down in history. Maybe their names would be inscribed. Oh, that was Jeff Johnson. He laid the bricks and oh man, you know, you know the story. And, and, um, and I just mentioned, I so say, how, how many of us wrestle with just our nice, quiet life over in the corner of the world somewhere, mm -hmm. relatively unknown? Well, social media is, is kind of like a digital tower of Babel that's brought us all together. So now I can post and do things where I matter. Mm -hmm. Right. My kid won a championship trophy. And I post things like that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But we have to ask ourselves could a driving force, of the misuse of social media be, I need to count. My voice needs to be heard. I need to show my wit. I need to, you know, this is my chance to have something of a name. People can see my, I mean, it's called Facebook, right? And yes, yes. Face is there, right? And and I don't know if that makes sense, the parallel, but it just made me think about, could the fear of anonymity drive some of the misuse of social media? A lot of penetrating things in your book, and that's just uh, one epitomizing point. For, for me, Jeff, help us with this idea of, I mean, man, it's, it's, it's Gay Pride Month. Mm -hmm. And uh, here we got uh, transgenderism going on, and yeah. we've got the, the mutilation of children at yeah. the recommendation of the federal government. And we you, you talk about uh, the burning that takes place within our hearts. And then we think of, man, should I say something? You think about John the Baptist mm -hmm. lost his head because he was saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have her, meaning his brother's wife. And then we think of Matthew 10, where the Lord Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father who was never. But if you don't, then we think of 
Wow, yeah, speaking the truth and being salt and light, Matthew chapter 5 in our generation. I admit, these things really uh, compel me. And can, can you give some insight and some help about what our heart motivation should be? And, and is there an element? And man, our, our society is so decomposing. I, I need to sprinkle a little salt where mm -hmm. I speak and communicate in society today. Respond to that a little bit. Yeah, well, one of the things I want to make clear, um, I mean, because you can't say everything in a book, you know, you've written a book, you've written books, and there's always that man now is one that said it's embalmed in print, and you realize you could say something better or qualify it, you just can't say everything. And I even say in the end of the book, this is not exhaustive, it's not meant to be, it's just meant to cause pause and reflection. But one thing I want to be very clear is, is I'm not promoting niceness culture. If anybody knows Jeff Johnson, that is not his preaching. It's I true. Don't, I don't want to. I don't want to press niceness. And I know personally, I can fall into the trap that Christ likeness means being nice, because it's easier for me to be nice. I can save a lot of skin that way, right? And I don't like conflict, and I don't guess most of us probably don't. So I'm not promoting that. There's a place for what I, in the book I call holy harshness, sanctified mm -hmm. sarcasm. Mm -hmm. You see that in the teaching of our Lord, the like prophet Elijah. There's a place to taunt the enemies of God. There's uh, and those kinds of things. And so I'm not in any way promoting a niceness culture, which is a part of our our problem. And and there's a place to speak and, and talk about these things. Um, but what I say in the book at the end is this needs to be qualified: is that a Christian? There is not an obligation that Christians have to use social media to promote the truth and righteousness. What I mean by that is I have no obligate. One thing I mean by that is, or you could apply it. I don't have an obligation to even be on social media. Right. Yeah. And if I am, there is not a blanket obligation that says all of God's people, every Christian must use it to this end. That's a matter of wisdom based on your unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do have an opportunity to, and a gift and an ability to use it for that end. But if a Christian just thinks, no, it is God's will that I use social media this way, then it could blind you to some of the other principles. Mm -hmm. And you could actually do more harm than good. Yes, yes. I don't have an obligation when I'm in the grocery store to stop people in the produce department and show them a picture of something. And that's, that's wrong. And then put it back in my pocket and keep walking. That's a matter of wisdom. Yes, yes. So that's one thing I want to be clear about the book. I'm not saying, you know, we need to be passive. We just, we don't need to approach things. But like John the Baptist, okay, John the Baptist didn't post an art blog article. He said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have that woman. Mm -hmm. And I, I go back to the whole issue of a platform. If you're a Herod in our generation and people, and you've got the voice, then it may be your obligation, whether you use social media or not, but to use venues to denounce and to call to repentance. Yes. And again, it's every man knowing his own place. And I know, yeah. I think I know what mine is, and it's not that at this time in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I would say too is, okay, I wrote a book on an issue that's a pretty, I don't say a hot issue, but it's a relevant topic. I'm sure there'll be people who won't like it. That's fine. They'll, they'll want to interact. So I'm obviously not being silent. 
I'm addressing something from a biblical perspective, but the part of the whole part of what's kind of underlying, and I think you can pick this up in the in the book without me saying it, it's kind of an underlying thing is I question the effectiveness of social media to address these things because of its randomness, right? You're going through, oh, she's got a birthday. Oh, boom. And the other thing I'd say about the book is what I'm mainly going after are just these small posts. All right. I do distinguish that from, hey, check out this blog article, or I recommend this book and where people are going and having to actually listen and engage. Mm. One of the book, a book, and I recommend, and this is not a religious book, but a book by Neil Postman was written in the mid eighties called amusing ourselves to death. Mm -hmm. You ever read that? I, I I've read parts of it, but the whole idea of the wasting of our lives by scrolling. And, and the amusing ourselves to death public discourse in the age of entertainment or show business. And that was back in the mid eighties before the internet. And this wasn't even coming from a biblical perspective. And he just talks about how news has become a commodity mm. and it's really become a form of entertainment. Mm. Mm. And, and, and in that book, he talks about, there was a, a debate with Lincoln and some other man, I forgot what it was. Maybe it was presidential debate that went seven hours. People in our day can't pay attention for seven minutes. Oh yeah. And I say that because I think social media therefore is so quick and so boom that it really, I don't think lends itself to making effective inroads on these issues. So my point is recommend a book on there. Yes. Not mine necessarily, but you know, or, Hey, several of us are getting together at Harbor church this Saturday to talk about uh, gay pride month or I think the more you engage people in person, publicly in your community, right? Promote that kind of stuff. I think you're going to do way more good than just a simple post that people are going to forget about six weeks from now. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, well I don't said. think social media is all that social. Yeah. Well said. Our, our, our time is gone, but that's a good open door and foyer into the full house of your book. The book is called, and you say, recommend a book? Well, here, I recommend a book, Taming the Fingers, Heavenly Wisdom for Social Media. Read this book. You'll find yourself enlightened and searched, and I hope guided by truths of the word. Every blessing to you, Jeff. Again, second time you've been on Net Talk. God willing, we'll have you on again. Every blessing. Thank you.